The following podcast is a presentation of the PTB Media Network. What's up, PTV Nation? Welcome to another edition of the PTV Review Show. Today, PTV Reviews, the UEFA Youth League Final 2020. It is Real Madrid versus Benfica from Neon, Switzerland. And in case... Um, in case I think I, I already explained this in previous episodes and on the Parking the Bus podcast as well as on my Benfica, Mr. Benfica podcast. If you haven't followed me on my other podcast on the Mr. Benfica feed, this episode is going to be a co-production. So this is the same exact review um, as you would hear on my Mr. Benfica feed. Okay, so what you're about to hear is my review of the match and it may lean a little bit towards Benfica more than than I normally lean towards one team in these reviews because this is my club and um so I rather than recording the same review twice from two different perspectives I recorded it once and I'm playing it on both channels so what you're about to hear is a co-production of Mr. Benfica and the PTB UEFA Youth League review show all right so I will be breaking down the match between Benfica and Real Madrid from August the 25th that is the UEFA Youth League final 2020 that's U19s and I think you're going to enjoy the review it's a bit it's a little bit lengthy um goes into some great detail I watched the match a second time and got a whole different perspective from it the second time so I hope you enjoy it uh, I'm going to take a quick break right here, and on the other side, we'll get right into the review. It's going to be Real Madrid versus Benfica, like we said, under-19s at the UEFA Youth League Final for the 2019-2020 season. And welcome back to this special co-production here of Mr. Benfica episode 79 and the PTB UEFA Youth League review show. All right. So this portion of the program is going to be identical for the two the two separate podcasts, okay? But the the audio content will be the same. So I want to welcome everybody listening now on both of those uh, feeds, if you will, both of you, both listening from the PTB Media Network, um, parking the bus feed, and from the Mister Benfica feed. All right, we are ready to begin to discuss and to review. The 2020 UEFA Youth League Final. Okay, anyone new to this competition? 
the youth the UEFA Youth League is essentially the Champions League for youth teams U19 to be exact so there are two paths to the final okay both of these teams took the same path um that is either the UEFA Champions League path or the domestic champions path so i'll take a minute just to explain the difference so the domestic i'll start with the Champions League path cuz that's the easier one to explain what happens is when the UEFA Youth League Excuse me. The UEFA Champions League plays its its uh, group stage. Okay, when it draws its group stage, a concurrent competition runs. Okay, so when the first teams are drawn into groups for the UEFA Champions League, and this goes all the way back last September. All right, almost a month ago, almost a year ago now to this day, and you have four teams in each group. Obviously, so on Champions League nights. Earlier in the day, okay, mid-afternoon usually, the two clubs that are drawn together in the Champions League, their youth teams will play each other, okay? Both Benfica and Real Madrid, the two finalists in, in this in this episode and in this competition, came through the Champions League path. So they were both drawn into groups identical to their senior teams, to their first teams, okay? And they played the the identical group stage that their senior teams played. All right, both of these clubs won their group stage, okay, in advance to what they call the, the playoff round, okay? And you have, it goes to a round of 32 that they, I believe they call the playoff round, okay? So the 16 teams that qualify for the round of, that qualify out of the Champions League stage okay out of the champions league path are joined by 16 teams from the domestic champions path what that is is for any clubs that won their domestic youth league okay and i'm going to use the example of derby county okay derby county were champions of england at the u19 level last season Okay, they were the youth champions. Of course, Derby County's first team doesn't even play in the Premier League. So naturally, Derby County is not going to be in the Champions League. But because their youth team were domestic champions, there is a separate path in this UEFA Youth League. Derby County played in the the domestic champions um, path. They were joined in that path by some of the stronger uh, youth teams out there. Like, for example, FC Porto, um, Red Bull Salzburg, among others. Okay were in that path because their senior teams did not qualify for the Champions League, but they were crowned uh, champions of their domestic youth league, okay? So there are two paths to this final. Both of these uh, these sides came from the uh, Champions League path. So we have the Portuguese side, Sport Lisboa Benfica, taking on the Spanish side, Real Madrid Club de Football, U19s, of course. This final was played August the 25th in Neon, Switzerland, very close to the headquarters of FIFA and UEFA. And this was played at the Covalray Sports Center. The referee is Chris Kavanaugh. His assistant referee is Daniel Cook, Sean Massey, and the fourth official is David Kute. And all the entire referee squad is from England. It was 25 degrees Celsius and sunny for this match with excellent pitch conditions as would be expected from an official UEFA final. Benfica would line up with the following 11. And let's just take a moment to recap their path to this final 
as uh, we had just mentioned uh, off the top, Benfica were group winners in the group stage. They were in Group G, uh, and they they uh, performed with the following results in group play. 2-1 winners at home to RB Leipzig. Uh, 7-1 winners on the road at Zenit St. Petersburg. They would lose 2-0 at home to Olympique Lyon, but then would return the favor in France in the next match day and win 3-1 on the road at Olympique Lyon. They would continue their winning ways with a 3-0 victory on the road at RB Leipzig and finish the group stage already group winners with a 1-0 victory at home to Zenit St. Petersburg. All right, so Benfica finished Group G top of the table with 15 points. And then they won the following knockout matches to get to this final, winning the round of 16, 4-1 at home to Liverpool, 4-2 already in Switzerland at this final stage in the quarterfinals over Dinamo Zagreb, and then a convincing 3-0 victory over Ajax in the semifinals. The starting 11 for for Luis Castro's side in a 4-3-3. If you could go with Japanese goalkeeper Kokubu in goal, Four across the back. The right back is Philippe Cruz. The center backs Tomas Araujo and Moratu. And the left back is João Ferreira. Three in midfield. Tiago Dantes is on the right. Enrique Jocou is in the hole in the middle. And Enrique Araujo is the left-sided central midfielder. And, of course, three forwards. On the right, Tiago Araujo. The striker is Gonzalo Ramos. We spoke about him in previous episodes of Mr. Benfica. Uh, he actually has already debuted in the first team and scored two goals on his first team debut at the end of the previous season. And he comes into this final with six goals in this competition. And the left-sided forward is the exciting and super talented Umaru Embalo, who is still on his return from a devastating injury back in December, December the 29th to be exact. And um, the quarterfinals of this competition about a week ago was his first match since that December 29th injury. Their opponents in this match are Real Madrid, of course, the U19s. And here is their path to the final. They were winners of Group A. And they got the competition started off with a home, or excuse me, an away victory. 2-1 in Paris over PSG. They would win at home 3-0 over Club Bruges. Win 1-0 away to... They would win 1-0 away to Galatasaray and win 4-2. They would lose 4-2 at home, excuse me, to Galatasaray um, in a surprising result in match day 4. But in match day 5, they would win 6-3 away at Paris Saint-Germain and then draw 2-2 at home to Club Bruges, totaling 13 points and finishing top of Group A. In the round of 16, they beat Juventus already in in Switzerland for that match as their original date for, for that round of 16 match was postponed indefinitely due to the COVID-19 outbreak. Finally got it underway nine days before this final. And it was um, already in Switzerland, a 3-1 victory over Juventus. In quarterfinals, a 3-0 victory over Inter Milan. And then in the semifinal, 2-1 victory over Red Bull Salzburg. So that brings us Benfica and Real Madrid. So Real Madrid's starting 11 in a 4-1. 4-1. Coached by the legend Raul Gonzalez. That's right, that Raul. 
the legendary number seven for Real Madrid. And uh, uh, a man I actually had the pleasure of meeting about six or seven years ago um, at a coaches convention. He was there uh, at the time. He was a player for the New York Cosmos here in the United States of the you know United States Second Division at the time, the the NASL. He had just been signed and was 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 present and was there meeting and greeting uh, coaches from all over the United States. And I had the very very privileged uh, pleasure of spending about 15 to 20 seconds with the great Raul got a photo snapped in that was about all there was time for as they grabbed me and moved me right out of the line and brought the next one in but he will line up with Luis Lopez in goal his four across the back Sergio Santos on the right Pablo Ramon and Victor Schust in the center Miguel Gutierrez is the left-sided defender he's got a traditional holding midfielder Antonio Blanco, a well-regarded holding midfielder. Many in the Madrid media and in and among supporters believe that Antonio Blanco is, is a future first-team player. He is a natural replacement to Casemiro in Madrid's first team. He's got four midfielders in front of him. Of course, Marvin Park is on the right. Sergio Arribas and Ivan Marante are in the middle with Carlos Dotor down the left. And Pablo Rodriguez is the striker. Entering this final, fatigue could be a factor. And it was noted by the commentary teams. Whether you watch this in English on CBSSports.com uh, here in the United States. Or as I watch this in Portuguese on Befica's official club channel, BTV. All right. Both both uh, commentary and wherever in the world you might have watched this. But the two commentary uh, two commentaries that I have heard both touched on this fact of fatigue as after such a long layoff, these two teams have played a lot of football in a very short space as Benfica are entering their third match in seven days after a four-month layoff while Real Madrid are entering their fourth match in nine days. And Gonzalo Ramos kicks off for Benfica and gets us underway in Switzerland. In the sixth minute, it is Umaru Imbalo for Benfica. He beats Blanco down the right flank. And then he cuts in towards his his uh, preferred right foot toward goal. Fires. Um, excuse me. No, he does not fire. <laughs> he he beats Blanco and he goes along the end line. Okay, he, he carries the ball at pace along the end line. Waiting for a late arriver to trail and arrive in the penalty area. He plays a cross in, but Real Madrid's center back pair are there to, to clear it away, but only as far as Philippe Cruz. Cruz gathers it and takes a touch past his opponent, but he is met with a full-body tackle from Carlos Dotor of Real Madrid, and it is a foul and a free kick, but Chris Kavanaugh, the English referee, leaves the pocket. Leaves the the yellow card, excuse me, in his pocket on this call. I was confusing this Umaru Imbalo play with another one that would come later. Uh, my apologies on this one. Imbalo is down the right flank and he beats Blanco. Gets to the end line and starts cutting towards goal. And then his cross is cut out, like I said, by the central defending pair of Real Madrid. In the ninth minute, Real get their first rush out of their own end. And it is on a counter and it is Sergio Santos. And Sergio Arribas combining brilliantly down the right. And it is Arribas 
who breaks in one-on-one with Kokubo. But the Spaniard delays his shot just a little bit and just a little too long because as he goes to finally fire on goal, he is met by a perfectly timed slide from Benfica's wingback Philippe Cruz. And he is able to block the shot. It goes out for a corner and danger is averted by the hard-running, hard-tracking wingback Philippe Cruz. Through 10 minutes, I noted that Benfica looked the stronger of the two sides with the majority of the match thus far being played on the edge of Real's uh, defensive third. Okay, um, Real really pinned back quite a bit. And aside from that counter we just spoke about in the ninth minute, Real Madrid have been pinned back in retreat and forced to just simply clog up the passing lanes and they've been reduced to simply first touch clearances waiting for an opportunity to break out. 16th minute and it is Benfica again in possession but Real now have noticeably done well to adjust and they have noticeably um, pushed forward in their line of confrontation. What that means is Real Madrid are now, they're still defending, but they're defending much much higher up the pitch. They're not pinned so deep in their own end. And you can see that the line of confrontation has moved into the middle third. So what I mean by that, to anybody new to my podcasts and how I break down the matches, what I mean by that is that for the first 10 minutes, Benfica were the team possessing. And they were possessing, for the most part, in Real Madrid's defensive third, at least in the higher section of their defending third. So if you def- if you divide the, the field into three thirds, okay, the, the defensive third where you find, you know, the goal that Real Madrid are defending, that is where the match was being played, probably towards, you know, towards the front edge, obviously, outside the 18 for the most part, but still... Fairly deep in in Real Madrid's territory is where the match was was being played. But now they'd made a couple adjustments and they'd been successfully able to move their line higher. Okay, so now the match, even though Benfica are still the team possessing, the possession now is occurring in the middle third in a far less dangerous part of the pitch. And and Real Madrid are going to be happy to allow them to possess. They're much happier to allow them to possess in that portion of the field than deep in their own end. And... We have a moment here in the 16th, like I said, Benfica in possession now, okay, 16th minute. And um, despite Real, uh, Real doing well to push forward, uh, Benfica do show some patience on this sequence of passes as they knock the ball around, continuing to find the open guy. Eventually, the ball finds its way to Umaro Imbalo, and the speedy winger has a go at it as he decides to run at pace at Sergio Santos and he beats him and this is the play I was starting to read off a moment ago in the sixth minute this is when he actually cuts in at pace onto his preferred right foot and fires from from middle distance I would say about 25 yards 20 22 meters or so from goal Umaro Imbalo fires to the left to the left uh sorry to the far post uh, to the goalkeeper's left, Luis Lopez's left, and he is just wide of the far post. But a good effort, good thought, and a good, um, just a good all-around display of patience from Befica, and a good uh, decision-making ability and good decision-making there from Umaru Imbalo to create enough space to get the shot off the 20th minute. And I noted that the match has started to even out a bit after the first 10 minutes. 
following um, the following 10 minutes or the preceding 10 minutes after the initial ones, Real uh, now is starting to see the ball even and are trying to attack themselves. And they are finding the feet of Marvin and Arribas, who are uh, two of their real dangerous attackers. And you can see, even if you'd never seen the team play before, as I honestly admit I had not seen Real Madrid's U19s play yet, um, you could see quickly that these were two players that they were going to attack through and they were going to look for in transition. 26th minute. With a bit of build-up play now, it's Real uh, working the ball around, swinging it from left to right along their back line. It finds its way to the right where Sergio Santos is, and he picks out a checking Sergio Arribas. Arribas uh, ha- is allowed all kinds of space to turn far too easily. Uh, this is this is something I noticed in watching the match a second time. Didn't pick up on it so so candidly uh, when I watched the match live, but in rewatching it, I noticed just how many times Benfica allowed Sergio Arribas to check to the ball and turn, as nobody would trail him and and keep him facing his own goal. And what happens is when Arribas is able to turn, he 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 looks. And he feeds Marvin down the down the flank. Okay, he he takes one look, knows where his teammate is. Marvin is running down the right flank at pace, looks to cross, but his cross is blocked, out of play by Moratu, and it goes out for a throw-in. But Marvin wastes no time. He goes to get the ball himself, throws it in to Sergio Arribas. Arribas again. He receives the ball facing the touchline with his back to where he wants to go. On his less preferred right foot. And Befica allow him the time to turn around. Face goal. Put the ball on his preferred left foot. And Arribas delivers a cross with his left foot in swinging. And have a listen here. So it is Pablo Rodriguez heading it home, all right, in the 26th minute to make it 1-0. It was a nice cross in from Sergio Arribas, and Pablo Rodriguez heads it home. It is 1-0 to Los Blancos on a play where Benfica's defensive players are completely asleep. All right, talking about this from a Benfica perspective for a minute, um, Again, watching the game live after the game ended, I thought Benfica were were victims of some really bad luck. Um, I thought that they thought they were by far the better team. Okay, on the first sitting, start to get a little bit of a different sense watching the match again. This is one play where, when I was watching it live, you know, I just said, "Oh man, how unlucky!" Or where was the defense? But really, when you watch it a second time and you really freeze it. Okay, and you look, Benfica's defensive positioning is is nowhere to be found. It looked like they took four attacking players and put them along the back line and called them a defense. I know that's not the case, but they completely fell asleep on this play. All right, they leave Pablo Rodriguez all alone. It's it's three Madrid attackers on the edge of the six yard box against two two Benfica 
essentially wingbacks, two of Benfica's shortest players. This was horrible. This should never happen. This is a situation that should not happen. Central defenders should not be pulled out of position like this. What happened is Morato gets pulled out on the play, okay, and he goes to try to block the cross from Marvin. Marvin heads up play for an 18-year-old, just picks up the ball and throws it while Morato is still out of position. Arribas allowed to turn, like I said a minute ago, because Befica's backline is out of position. Again, they're in disarray. They're looking around at each other, trying to figure out where they have to go. And that allows that allows Arribas to just turn around, put the ball on his preferred foot, look up, see his teammate in a perfect position, and put it right on his head. Uh, Pablo Rodriguez heads it into the goal. It's 1-0 to Real Madrid. And it had nothing to do with luck, and it had everything to do with horrible positioning and even worse marking. And um, as he heads it home, Pablo goes down suddenly in pain, and we quickly see the medical staff on the pitch, and they wrap his thigh in tape and send him back on. Benfica find themselves trailing again 1-0, as they did in the quarterfinal against Dinamo Zagreb. Um for my liking as a Benfica, this team, as well as they they played in this run and in this competition, and as well as they tend to play at this age group, okay, it's beautiful football, but I'm always concerned with the amount of goals they surrender, and I do believe that defending has gone completely out of out of the rubric, completely out of the curriculum in football um, development at, at not just at Benfica, but at so many clubs. And right here, this is an example of just the players not either not being focused or not being prepared to play a team of this caliber. But in the 29th minute, okay, Pablo cannot cannot continue. Pablo Rodriguez, the goal scorer, goes down again, holding his leg. And Raul has seen enough, obviously. Raul realizes he's going to have to replace his striker. And it's a like-for-like like switch as Jordi comes on, Pablo is off, and Madrid make their first substitution of the match. 33rd minute now, Benfica trying to to turn the table a little bit, and they are they do go right back to playing you know, their game, and, and they continue to create opportunities and create space. But they do have trouble getting the ball towards goal. But in the 33rd minute, the ball is found deep. And it is it is Miguel uh, Gutierrez on the ball along his own end line. He's pinned deep. He's got nowhere to go. And then a, there is a good amount of pressure applied here by Gonzalo Ramos, who closes him in and forces the Spanish defender to concede a corner. It's an in-swinger from Thiago Araujo. But it's one at the far post by Schust, the central defender. Good win from the Real Madrid central defender. 35th minute. And it is Benfica with a giveaway here in midfield. As they are disarmed by Blanco. Okay. Blanco carries into space. And then he threads the needle for Arribas again. This kid is everywhere. Sergio Arribas. Remember that name. And he has a cross. But it is sniffed out at the final instance a by Felipe Cruz or it could have been a second for Real Madrid and I noted here that Real Madrid at the 40 minute mark or so are show, have shown much better versatility than their Portuguese opponents and it is 
it is shown in the adjustments that they've made and it has shown that they they have shown to be able to both get stuck in and absorb pressure defensively play deep before breaking out into dangerous counterattacks as well as showing themselves being able to build play out of the back and link up through the different phases of transition while Benfica shows um they sh- they show to be clearly the more skilled of the two sides. I I, I stand by that statement. Benfica's players one for one on one, or you know player for player, a much better team or a much better group of of players. I think Benfica are hurt in a sense by the fact that these players come together for this UEFA Youth League, but then on the weekends play at various different levels. Okay, so for for. Whoever's not familiar with the setup at Benfica, these these players do not play as the U19 team every week. In fact, almost none of them do. Very few of them actually play in the youth ranks on on the weekends. Okay, most of them play either in the squad's B team or in the squad's U23 team. All right, which is a great model of development, but it hurts the collective when they come to these competitions and they run up against an opponent that is much closer in 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 quality to themselves okay so in the first two matches of this final stage i think befica faced a much weaker opposition in dinamo zagreb and in ajax okay ajax at this this year's u19 ajax team is not at the level that i expected for certain from a club like that but and now up against a Real Madrid team that's much more much more their level in quality. Even though I think that Benfica has better players. Uh, Real Madrid, you can see, play together a lot more. And they have a better collective than Benfica. That, I don't think there's anybody that can watch uh, this match honestly and come out of there disagreeing with that statement that Real Madrid's collective is a better unit and that's for different reasons so that's not a uh, it's not necessarily a knock on one team or the other it's it's for different reasons and different motives but you see that Real Madrid have a better collective here and you just see that the the Spanish side has is a more practical side and they have a better tactical awareness okay their spacing is better they cover each other better. Benfica, for me, seems overly focused on the offensive side of the game. Okay, and that's because they're overly focused on the development, and the model is to sell these players for the most part. Okay, very few are going to make their way into the first team. Okay, and even fewer are going to make their way into the first team for Real Madrid. But I think Benfica has a much higher focus on on sale of players, whereas. Um, Real Madrid's focus, I think, is to get those one or two through and to, and to really um, scour as many players as possible to pick out the diamonds out of them. Whereas I think Befica relies more on the sale okay, of these players. Real Madrid has a lot more methods of income, okay, a lot more ways of generating revenue than does Benfica. And Benfica relies so heavily on the sale of players. So I think that's partially why Benfica focus on what they do. And if their goals are those, it's hard to come to, to a competition where you're trying to get results, which at the youth level is often frowned upon by many, okay? I think it should be a part of development. I think gaining results is a part of developing players. You can't just develop players to be skillful and to be able to play with the ball and to be able to, you know, to be able to attack and to score goals. You also need to teach players to play more than one style. In my opinion, okay, 
I think you need to be more versatile than that. And I think you need to, if you're really trying to develop players for their own good and for their own career, players, very few of these players are going to play at Benfica. A lot of them are going to play at smaller clubs. And a lot of them are going to have to play a different style. I think it would help Benfica to be a bit more versatile, especially coming up against opposition like Real Madrid. But all in all, those are that's the two differences that I see in the teams at that point at the 40-minute mark. In the 42nd, Benfica worked the ball wide to Thiago Araujo, and he drives across very nicely along the ground for the on-running uh, Gonzalo Ramos, but the striker's first touch lets him down, and he is unable to control the ball before it is cleared away by Schust. Now, 44th minute. This is a key moment in the match for me. And this goes back to kind of what I was just talking about. And this is where, especially now having seen this again, I completely flip my mind or I flip my uh, my narrative on who I thought was the better team in this match and why. Okay, this was a great example of something that's not always visible to, to the naked eye, if you will. Not always, not every onlooker will see this. But I noticed it in... in you know, in a second viewing, I didn't notice it quite so well. Watching it live, I was being a fan, and I was, I was, you know, into the match, engaged. Watching it much more analytically a second time, I noticed something here, and it's 44th minute. We've I mean, got tons of possession here. Okay, they've got the ball for what seems like an eternity. It's only about two minutes, but it seems like an eternity, connecting an unknown number of passes together, and and the thing is, though. As much as they're possessing and as much as they are moving the ball around, they are unable to get anywhere near Real's penalty area as everything is tightly closed with nowhere to pass. There is no passing lanes forward available to Benfica here in this stretch of play. Um, every pass has to be square or back, and they keep they just keep going kind of in this in a circle without really getting into that even into the attacking half of their middle third or into the you know the opening or the beginning of the attacking third Real Madrid's defensive third and i i noticed this watching it and i said this was a fantastic underrated and un- underappreciated um example of Beautiful shape from Real Madrid here, from Raul's youngsters. Okay, they have cut out every single dangerous passing lane. The only thing Benfica can do is knock it sideways and backwards, like we said. And eventually Benfica here start to lose their patience. And rather than keeping the ball here, the ball comes to Enrique Jocou. And, of course, hindsight is always twenty twenty. He should have probably... He should have probably played it all the way back to his keeper here, to Kukubu, to force Real Madrid out a bit. But again, the lack of patience we talked about, and after having to connect so many sideways and backward passes, I think he got tired of it, and he tried to force a diagonal forward pass. He's looking for João Freira on the left flank, but his ball is short, and it is plucked and read beautifully by Marvin Park. The young 18-year-old Spain international picks the ball out. He intercepts the pass, looks up with his perfect touch into open space, and then with his second touch, he plays Arribas down the right center channel. Okay, So not quite on the flank, but down the right center channel. Benfica are in retreat very hard. They're running hard in retreat here. And 
none more than than Enrique Joku, who made the errant pass. He's running at full speed to get back. Uh, Aribas with the heads-up play, cuts the ball back onto his preferred left foot again down the right. Plays another in-footed cross. He is looking for Carlos Dotor, who is who is streaking in and is, quite honestly, going to be open for a tap-in at the far post. However, Kokubu reads it one way. Kokubu starts cheating out to intercept the cross. And Joku, on the other hand, doesn't see that. And he slides to try to block the cross. Unfortunately, his slide will redirect the ball into his own goal. Have a listen here as it is an own goal from Enrique Joku to close the first half. And that own goal from Enrique Joku will send Benfica into the halftime team talk with their heads down. Real Madrid, on the other hand, are going to go in ecstatic to be ahead 2-0. And I'm going to take a quick break here, all right? This is... uh, this is going to be a quick break. And on the other side, we will we will get into the second half of this review of the UEFA Youth League Final 2020 here on the PTB Media Network. Follow me on Twitter, both at PTB underscore media. And also, if you're a fan of Mr. Benfica and if you're listening on the Mr. Benfica feed, don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Benfica Mr. and on Instagram at Mr. Benfica. We'll be right back with the second half. And welcome back to this review of the 2020 UEFA Youth League Final between Real Madrid and Benfica. All right, so as we know at halftime, the score is Benfica nil, Real Madrid 2. All right, so Benfica, despite all their possession and all their play and all of the quality that they have shown, they have absolutely zero opportunities at goal in the first 45 minutes zero they had no opportunities at goal at all in the first 45 minutes and you could even say Benfica and I would actually after re-watching this game will say Benfica were actually lucky to only be down 2-0 um, yes it w- they were unlucky to get, surrender an own goal right at the end of the first half right at the death but but um Real Madrid could have easily doubled their lead on a couple of occasions before. Then it wouldn't have been uh, out of the question, and it wouldn't have been you know harsh if if Real Madrid had scored another goal or two in that first half. That is just the the reality of how the game played out. One team was was creative and was. Uh, positive, if you will, and was moving the ball and creating things, but incredibly ineffective while the other team was pragmatic and was strategic and incredibly efficient. I think I said ineffective a moment ago. I meant to say inefficient. Benfica were inefficient. Real Madrid very efficient, and that's why they went into the break ahead two goals to nil. As a result, Benfica make two changes at the half. Luis Castro subs on um, midfielder Ronaldo Camara 
replacing Philippe Cruz, which moves left-back João Pereira to the right side to, to replace Philippe Cruz, who was the right wing-back. Tomás Araújo moves from forward to left-back. That's his other position. Yes, Tomás Araújo. Excuse me, Tiago Araújo. Not Tomás. Tomás Araújo is the center-back. Tiago Araújo is the forward-slash-back. So he plays either as a winger or as a wing-back. And he moves to left-back, making room for Ronaldo Camara in the midfield. And also... Uh, Holding midfielder Rafael Brito is on replacing the incredibly unfortunate Enrique Jacou, uh, Jacou who, um, as you heard there at the end of the first half, first gave away the ball on that second goal. And then in an attempt to track back, in an attempt to win the ball back after losing it, you know, accidentally redirected the ball into his own goal. So he, his day ends on that type of misfortune. Very hard day for the talented holding midfielder Enrique, Enrique Jaucu. Okay. And Benfica are, of course, missing a key midfielder in this match. And he is sorely missed. Paulo Bernardo, I talked about in the previous episodes of Mr. Benfica. Uh, very Showed some real lack of discipline in the quarter and semifinal to pick up needless yellow cards uh, at that in those two matches, and you can't afford that when you're trying to win a trophy. Okay, you can't afford to sit out a final that can be career-changing, that can be life-changing. When the eyes of the world are on you, the way that that they were in this final, Paulo Bernardo was in the stands watching because he, he committed needless fouls and was booked without needing to be in, in the two previous matches. And hopefully he learns from that and going forward as a senior player. These are not mistakes that are repeated. It drives me crazy to this day. You see players miss World Cup finals because they took their shirt off in a quarterfinal and then, you know, had to had to pick up a foul because the situation called for it in a semifinal or something, pick up their second yellow, and all of a sudden their tournament is over, and they miss the final. And it's all because of the needless yellow card they picked up. So Real Madrid will will get us started. It is Jordi kicking off for Real Madrid, and the second half is underway in Neon, Switzerland. If you could take a short goal kick in the 46th minute and Madrid apply very effective high press and Rafael Brito on his first, essentially his first touch of the game is forced to send the ball out of play to avoid losing it inside his own uh, penalty area. He's 10 meters from his own goal and he had no choice because it was a poor decision to play the short goal kick to him. He had no choice but to play it out of touch, um, you know, Immediately, really. And again, these these short goal kicks look real nice. I know everyone wants to be Barcelona and wants to possess and wants to build out of the back. And when the other team lets you do that, there's nothing wrong with it. But again, Real Madrid, very, very effective in this match. They defended so many different ways. I'm really, really impressed after having rewatched this match. I'm really, really impressed with Raul's team here and how they played they defended by sinking in deep and and having low-lying lines then they'd switch and they defend with the high press and force mistakes they'd force turnovers so many different ways they'd give you so many different looks and this was another one they they kind of sneak attacked Benfica at the start of the second half with a high press and forced Benfica to turn the ball over 
by playing it out of play. If you were able to win the ball back on the ensuing throw-in and avert danger in the 48th minute, Ronaldo Camara does well to beat two opponents in midfield on the dribble. Does very well. Knocks a diagonal ball to play Imbalo in. And Imbalo has it and crosses it, but it is headed out for a corner by Carlos Dotor. And... Nice bit of skill and dribble followed by a line-breaking diagonal ball from Ronaldo Camara and the Ingolo do Seychelles, they call him, the Ingolo Conte of Seychelles. Seychelles is the Befica Academy campus. He has that reputation around the campus, which is not a bad reputation to have at all. If you are a central midfielder, who better to be compared to than Ingolo Conte? And he is one of the younger players on Befica's roster. I believe he's only 17 years old, Ronaldo Camara. And he does very well here as he breaks Real Madrid's defensive lines with this diagonal ball, playing it into space, forcing them to lose shape. The ensuing corner is from Thiago Araujo. And he finds Rafael Brito at the far post. But the substitute's header is off the mark. But already you see an improvement from this substitution. And you see a better Benfica than we saw in the first uh, 45 minutes. And you also see Real Madrid having their lines broken a little bit. And that is what Benfica need to do in this match. And I'm wondering why they didn't come out this way to start the match. There's, there's different reasons why the manager may have decided to do things the way he did. But this is a very good change of of attitude and a very good change of, of, of mentality from Benfica to start this second half. And in the, in the 40, still in the 49th minute here, we have... The goalkeeper, okay, it's the four, like I said, in the 49th minute. The ball starts with the goalkeeper, Leo Kukubu. Kukubu lobs it, okay, into the middle of the pitch where Kamara is able to outleap his Real Madrid counterpart and flick the ball in behind him where Tiago Dantes is, is, is roaming free. Tiago Dantes brings the ball down. He turns, he finds Gonzalo Ramos, Gonzalo Ramos. Um, takes it across midfield and turns and plays Imbalo wide on the right and then takes off. So so Ramush takes a touch from the center towards the right, is able to turn by making that, that touch, and then he plays it wide to Imbalo on the flank. Imbalo takes a couple touches. Gonzalo takes off. He's looking to get on the end of the next pass, and he does exactly that. Okay, Imbalo delivers an outswinging uh, cross along the ground and let's have a listen to see how this one played out. Players pushing forward, Gonzalo Ramos finally finishes. Perseverance from Benfica. Seven now in the youth league for Gonzalo Ramos and they have their way back into the game. So it's Imbalo with the outswinging cross along the ground. Gonzalo Ramos continuing his run that he started way back after making the initial pass. He hits it first time to the goalkeeper's left. Lopez makes a fantastic save diving to his left to keep it out. Rebound comes out too in an 
Enrique Araujo. Enrique Araujo tries to beat the goalkeeper who's down, but Lopez shows great reflexes, gets up and gets right back down to save the rebound, but it's still loose. And on the third attempt, it is Ramuj again with the follow-up, and this time he hammers it into the back of the goal, and Befica have reduced the lead in half. Gonzalo Ramuj picks up his seventh goal of the competition and it is two to one now to Real Madrid however before you even could blink an eye here's what happened So it was Arribas and Marvin combining down the right. And Marvin makes a nice touch to go around Thiago Araujo to touch it by him and then outrun him while the defender was trying to turn. Far too easy for my liking, um, his passage there. Not good defending at all from Thiago Araujo. And absolutely no help from his center back, um, Morato, on the play. And then Marvin, as he's in, squares the ball across the face of goal for an on-running Miguel Gutierrez at the back post. And Miguel hits it first time. It's on goal. Kukubu gets a hand on it, but he can't keep it out. It goes across the line. It is once again a two-goal lead for Real. Their two-goal lead is reestablished with... In the span, I should say, of about one minute. And it is the exact thing you want to avoid if you are Benfica. And it is the exact thing you are hoping to see if you are a Real Madrid fan. That is exactly how you want to see them respond to surrendering a goal. And if you are a Madridista, you had to be very, very confident at this point. Because just as Benfica looked like they were going to get back into it. Madrid go ahead and double their lead once again. But Benfica do pick their heads up and they don't quit. And in the 53rd minute, it is Dantej hitting a free kick from the right. He finds Gonzalo Ramuj in the mixer, but his header is not going to trouble Luis Lopez. It goes wide. Benfica start increasing the tempo of the match now, though. And it is noticeable that... Um, Imbalo is now starting to get a lot more support down the right when the ball finds its way to him. The new right back, uh, or I should say, as João Pereira moved to right back, he's been able to get forward more in support, as has Ronaldo Camara as well, playing on the right side of center midfield. He's also been able to, to along with Pereira, form a triangle there of support with uh, Umaru Imbalo down the right and Kamara and Britu are also doing a, a good job as they entered the match and they have had a positive impact um, entering the match while Real Madrid are noticeably in retreat they're beginning to wear physically you can see that they are beginning to tire and Benfica are looking to take advantage of the signs of fatigue on their opponents and 
that fatigue also is due to the fact that Real Madrid played one more match than Benfica have in the previous nine days. And remember before that, it was a four to five month layoff with no matches played due to COVID. 57th minute and it is Imbalo now again down the right and this time his cross is off Schust and out for Ebefica corner. The ensuing corner is taken by Thiago Aruju and he fires it into the mixer with an in swinger. So it's Gonzalo Ramos getting on the end of the Thiago Araujo corner kick. The in-swinging corner kick off of Thiago Araujo's left foot. And it is the striker getting his head on the ball, doubling his tally, and joining Atalanta's Roberto Piccoli atop the golden boot race with eight goals in this competition, the UEFA Youth League, of course. And more importantly, reduces Real Madrid's lead Back to a goal. It's 3-2 now with a half hour to play. And I know for myself as a Benfica supporter, this had me excited. This had me believing again. This was exactly what Benfica needed to do after surrendering so quickly. They needed to get right back into it. Get it back to within a goal. You could see Real Madrid was tired. You could see that they were coming undone a little bit. But... um. You knew that if, if if Real Madrid could have survived the next 10 minutes or so, that I think that Benfica would start to panic. And I think that if they had not pulled you know, closer, that you could have seen a, a side here from Benfica that may have begun to give up had, had this not happened. So but very, very important goal from Gonzalo Ramos. Eighth goal in the UEFA Youth League, like we said. 14th on the season in all competitions at all levels. And, of course, two of those goals, like we said, came in the Portuguese first division for the first team in the penultimate match of the 2019-2020 season. 63rd minute now, and it's Umaru Imbalo. He goes into the book here for a foul on Carlos Dotor. And he injures himself in the process. And a it's a definite blow to Benfica's hopes here. As the look on Imbalo's face says it all as he's holding his hamstring. And then he drops to the ground and he hides his tears in his jersey. Hides his head, if you will, his face inside his jersey as the tears start to come out. When he realizes that his UEFA youth league final is over and that he his UEFA youth career is over he, he's a senior player now if I'm not mistaken he is um I believe he's already 19 years old and that is it for him at this level and it is an emotional moment for the player who spent eight months injured out of action and or I should say he he wasn't injured for eight months he was injured and then the COVID uh stoppage came so a total of eight months without playing and perhaps it was just a case of too many minutes too soon for the very talented Portugal youth international Umaru Imbalo and he is replaced by Luis Duque 
as it is the 64th minute, and it's Luis Lopsch, also known as Luis Duke, not to con- not to confuse him with Luis Lopez of Real Madrid, the goalkeeper. So Luis Duke is the name he goes by, but his real name, birth name, Luis Lopsch. Uh, he replaces Umaro Imbalo. And after the eight-month absence, like I said, probably just a bit too much playing. Um, and the hamstring just couldn't handle, you know, all these minutes in such a short span of time. And at this point, I did note that Real begins what I call a legendary run of time-wasting here with players spending eternities on the pitch, uh, killing killing play and momentum at every opportunity. And it wouldn't be long. It was two minutes later, and it was Marvin Park going down. Okay, he stays down for quite a while. Raul forced to make a substitution. It's Xavi Sintes coming on, replacing Marvin Park. So, one of Real Madrid's most uh, dangerous attacking players is off. And his replacement is a def- more defense-minded midfielder to replace him, Xavi Sintes, replacing, like we said, Marvin Park. And it, this, this was comical because as soon as the ball is about to be thrown in, okay, the referee is waving to restart, and down goes Miguel Gutierrez right at that moment. And you can see the Benfica players <laughs> lose their patience real quickly. This gets under their skin a little bit. But he goes down, and he is going to be subbed off as he cannot continue either. Gets up and limps off the field. Raul sends on Alvaro Carrillo, and Carrillo replaces Miguel Gutierrez. And you get a another defense-minded substitution as the wingback is replaced by a central defender who is now being slotted as a left defender. And... Um, this is good news for Benfica in a way because Benfica are taking control of the match and in the process, Real Madrid's most attack-minded players or two of their more dangerous attack-minded players have come off in injury. 67th minute and now Benfica in total control of the match as, like we just said, two, two of Real's best players have been subbed off. And there is some nice link-up work down the down the center here between Britu Camara and Thiago Dantes, and Thiago Araujo there with an overlapping run, and on the left, and he is played in crosses for Enrique Araujo, no relation, who is cut down by Pablo Ramon in the area, and the referee does not hesitate, blows his whistle, and points to the penalty spot. And here is Benfica's chance. And uh, for some reason, right uh, right away, I had I had an uneasy feeling about this, this penalty kick. Maybe it's because I've just seen Benfica play in too many finals, and it doesn't matter if it's the senior team or the youth team now. Um... There's this thing in the club, and I think this is perpetuated by supporters of the club and by the media. This is an unhealthy perpetuation of this ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous belief in a curse that was supposedly put on the club by by um, by Bella Gutman when he left the club the second time, not the first time, the second time, in which he said that Benfica would never again win a European Cup. Now... For the first time in ever, 
It, this apparently applies. People believe this applies to the youth team as well. I say if that's the case, then it should apply to the entire club in all of the sports, all of the modalities, and it doesn't because we have won European championships in other modalities um, throughout the years. Not to mention, you know, sports like rink hockey and um, futsal, where we have been European champions. So that is a that is a pretty bad claim. So if you're gonna make a claim like that, you probably should do a little bit more homework. But it is Tiago Dantes, the captain, stepping up, and for some reason, even though he is usually money on these, he's got four goals from the spot in this competition, a total of five goals in all, but. For some reason, something didn't seem right with me. I thought that Gonzalo Ramos should have been the one to take it. I don't even have any information as to whether or not Gonzalo Ramos ever takes these. But he was the, the hot foot, if you will. He was on form. He had two goals. I thought maybe this is the time to take the ball. You almost never take the ball out of your penalty taker's hands on a penalty, especially in this situation. But something inside me was telling me that this this wasn't quite right. I don't know if it was the way that Dantes was approaching the ball, if he telegraphed it. I don't know if if it was because Luis Lopez just looked uh, so big in that goal compared to Dantes stepping up to take the, the penalty. I don't know what it was. Something just told me that, that uh, something I was not confident about this one. And unfortunately, my fear was realized as Thiago Dantes steps up and he play he he doesn't hesitate he runs at the ball plays the ball to his left to the goalkeeper's right and Luis Lopez guesses correctly dives to his right and saves the penalty kick and it felt like the air just comes out of the sails of Benfica on this failed penalty and to Benfica's credit they will pick up they will pick up their heads very very quickly and they will apply some immense pressure Looking for the equalizer, and the teammates quickly pick up their captain, uh, Tiago Dantes, pat him on the back and tell him to keep going. And just a, just a few moments later, another penalty should have been granted to Benfica as Pablo Ramirez, again, clearly this time, handles the ball inside the area in the 70th minute. But unfortunately, in UEFA Youth League, there is no VAR at this point. It has not been implemented in this competition yet, and it is not used in the final, and therefore it is not a penalty. So the referee missed it, and Benfica can feel a little hard done by it, but they had just missed a penalty anyway. Would have been interesting to see if Luis Castro was going to point um, point to Thiago Dantes to take it again, or if someone else was going to take it, or if the players themselves were going to figure it out. In adult teams, a lot of times the players themselves figure that out, but at the U19 level, I would expect the coach to appoint somebody. We move to the 73rd minute, and Real Madrid make two more substitutions. Salah comes on for Carlos Dotor, and Peter Gonzalez comes on for Morante. Peter Gonzalez is from the Dominican Republic. I he is the first Dominican I can think of to be playing football in Spain or in Europe at all, and to not to mention at a club like Real Madrid. So this is a player that I think I'm gonna try to keep my eye on uh, going forward and try to read up on it and see how he develops. It's very interesting to see a player from the Dominican Republic, a baseball country. 
uh, playing football for Real Madrid. 75th minute now, and it is Arribas, and he's in on goal. He tries to dribble Kokubo one versus one, but the flag goes up for offside. After the whistle blows, there's a little bit of theatrics from both sides, and as uh, Kokubo is jogging to to put the ball down to take his free kick at the spot of the offside, Arribas is behind him jogging, and I think they're chirping to each other, and Kokubo decides to stop dead in his tracks. He lowers his shoulder, extends his forearm, and it goes right into the chest of Sergio Arribas. Arribas goes down dramatically. Now, this is a moment of absolutely um, immaturity and terrible, terrible discipline from Benfica's Japanese goalkeeper and the Japan Inter Youth International. There's no business getting into these kinds of quarrels at a time when Benfica need an equalizer and the clock is ticking. We're in the final quarter of an hour, and he's taking his time to do this. And I think this was this was foolish, and this is another sign of some lack of discipline, which I know is thought to be common at this age group. But I haven't worked with this age group a lot of a lot of my career. At obviously much lower levels, this wouldn't have been tolerated by me at a, in any way or any of the staffs that I served on. Okay, uh, Kokubu has no reason to do this to turn around and to brace himself for contact and to just basically knock Aribas on his tail. And not saying that Aribas didn't deserve it, but this was not what Benfica needed to do. And to, Aribas tries to make a meal of it, he goes into full blown theatrics. Goes to the ground, rolls around, holding his face like he'd been sucker punched. Replay shows clearly he got what he got was Kokubu's shoulder and forearm in his chest. He's not holding his chest, he's holding his face. Referee, to his credit, gives a yellow card to each, and Kokubu is lucky to not be sent off, in my opinion. And with a quarter hour to go, Real Madrid are obviously very, very gassed. And they are defending for their lives now. While Benfica, for as inspiring of a performance as they're putting in, expiring an effort and very honorable effort that they're pulling in, their efficiency rate is absolutely incredibly poor. And that is the difference in this match at the end of the day. It is the efficiency of the two squads, the, the vast difference in the efficiency. Okay. And Befica will continue with more and more opportunities um, throughout the remainder of the match. But they all go by the wayside. They're unable to, to, to really convert any of these opportunities into a goal. We go to the 83rd minute and Thiago Rouge finds Thiago Dantes alone at the top of the penalty box. Sorry, the penalty area. And the midfielder has, has an opportunity to either fire or play in one of his teammates. But he can't make up his mind quick enough. He takes too long, and Real Madrid are quick to cut him out. The ball is lost by the captain there. One minute later, 84th minute, ball played over the top of the Real defense. In behind, Benfica are looking for Enrique Araujo as he is running. But Luis Lopez is out, out of his box, full speed. And he appears to go right through Enrique Araujo, clean him right out. En route to punching the ball clear. Cries for another penalty from Befica and from their bench. 
ignored by Chris Kavanaugh. Referee Kavanaugh waves play on. Again, there is no VAR, so there is no penalty. Benfica need to forget it and move on. Both teams now visibly exhausted. Most players are unable to get it into fourth or fifth gear. Most players hoping to they are topping out at third gear as there's a lot of jogging going on. And, and you can see the players trying to explode and trying to get speed. And it's just not there. 87th minute and it is Rafael Cruz. He goes in the book. Excuse me. Rafael uh, Brito goes. I don't know why I wrote Rafael Cruz. Rafael Brito goes into the referee's book for grabbing hold of uh, of Aranya. He grabs him, brings him down on, uh, to prevent the counterattack. We get to the 90th minute and the fourth official shows seven minutes of stoppage time. Benfica will make a substitution in the 90th. It is Martin Neto. The attacker on for Tomaj Araujo, the central defender. Classic attacker for a defender in the closing moments as Befica try to get an equalizer here. We're in the 90th, plus three, and it is Dantes carries the ball towards the area from the left to center dishes to Gonzalo, to Gonzalo Ramuz. Ramuz looks up, fires with his preferred right foot, looking for the far post. But the rocket is too close to Luis Lopez, who dives to his left and parries away. But the ball doesn't go too far on the parry. It stays in the area. And it is Ronaldo Camara to get on the end of that ball. He collects it, looks up, plays a brilliant cross along the ground, right on to the run of Enrique Araujo, who is literally three meters from the goal line. He gets inside the small area, inside the goal area, inside the six-yard box, as we call it in the United States. And Luis Lopez, the goalkeeper, just lays down across his goal line, trying to make himself as long as possible. Enrique Araujo correctly or... Yeah, rightly tries to lift it over the goalie that's already laying down on the ground. Unfortunately for the man from Madeira, he lifts it too much and he hammers the ball off of the crossbar. That crossbar may still be moving today. <laughs> Almost a week later here uh, out there in Switzerland, he hit the ball that hard. And it goes off of that crossbar and it is a chance squandered. In the dying moments of the match, best opportunity of of the match for Benfica to equalize. And literally, centimeters kept Benfica from pulling level and forcing extra time and penalties. I think that actually it would have gone straight to penalties. But that was as close as it would get. And at 90 plus seven and a half minutes, referee Chris Kavanaugh. Would blow his whistle three times for full time. And Benfica will lose the UEFA Youth League final for a record third time. While Real Madrid will win it for the first time. And just a few closing thoughts on this. At first, you know, I bought into some of the same some of the same ideas that Benfica Nation were were communicating after this match. An idea that, you know, it's it's it. I didn't. Be, I don't believe in the Bella Gutman curse. I'm going to be flat out about that. That's the most. I think it's the most ridiculous thing that that fans, having grown up here in Boston, in the United States. Okay, this is not to, a perfect analogy, but here in Boston, for much of my life, in regards to baseball, the the American pastime. Okay, the Boston Red Sox, 
were believed to be cursed for having sold the best baseball player to ever live, uh, Babe Ruth, to the New York Yankees, okay? Um, someone believed, the you know, rumors, I don't know how these things start, but eventually the belief is that they were cursed for selling the player and that they would never win the World Series again. And it took 83 years for the Boston Red Sox to win the World Series, okay? Now, if you go back and look at these different World Series they lost, you can see why they lost. It had nothing to do with the curse. It had something to do with the mistake. Some Someone was doing something they shouldn't. But the problem is, the longer these beliefs and these curses go on, players enter these matches and start to believe it. Now, these kids, this was the first time I heard this curse applied to the youth team, which I think is just comical. Because, yeah, they, there was no such thing as a, a UEFA Youth League in 1960-whatever when Bella Gutman left for the second time. It, it, to think that even if he hit in some far-off imaginary land, he had the power to curse a team. To think that he this would include the youth team at a time where this where a continental youth competition was completely even unthinkable, unfathomable is comical to me. But anyway, the players enter these matches and you can see. Okay, for this is from a Befica standpoint, so I I apologize to any Real Madrid fans listening on the PTV Media Network or any neutrals, but give me just another minute to finish this thought. Um from a Befica standpoint, especially when you're talking about 19-year-old, 18, 20, 17-year-old kids. They enter the match hearing all this talk of a curse, and this happens to the first team too. They go into these finals thinking about this this, this drought that now extends, I don't know what, 60 years, I think. We're coming up on 60 years pretty soon on this drought in Europe for Benfica. Okay, so this drought, longer than any of these players have been alive, whether it's the youth team, the first team, heck, almost longer than, than anyone in the staff has been alive, okay? And the players take this baggage with them into the pitch. This is with, this is the actual curse. The curse is the belief in the curse. They take it with them, and they're waiting for things to go wrong. And Befica started this match well, but as soon as something turned... Oh, that that idea gets into the head. Here we go again. We're going to lose another final. Okay, this is a psychological problem in the club, and it needs to be resolved. I don't know if the team needs a better psychological department. I don't know if the first team coach needs to have a a hand in the mental training of youth players. I think that's a good. That'd be a good step. I don't know how much mental training Benfica does. I know Georges Zouz does carry a psychologist. Uh, a sports psychologist and a mental coach. So perhaps this can improve in the coming seasons, at least in the next two seasons while he's under contract. Um, but I think this is all in their heads, and it shows because they start to make these uncharacteristic mistakes, not because they're cursed, but because they're nervous and because they're double, they're they're overthinking, okay? Tiago Dantes misses this penalty kick because he overthought the penalty kick. Enrique Joku makes a bad pass that leads to a breakaway because he overthought it, because he got un impatient, because they were losing, because he's thinking about this stupid curse. Okay, and Real Madrid have every passing lane blocked, so he tries to force one. It doesn't get through. He doesn't hit it well enough, and it's short. And now we have a counter going the other way, and then he's overcompensating by trying to run back as hard as he can. Okay, to win that ball back, and he decides to slide. Or maybe he should have let that ball go by. I don't know if there was. I don't know if there was any communication between him 
and Leo uh, Kukubo, the, the goalkeeper. Now, there's they did say in the commentary that there is a language barrier with Kukubo. He he hardly understands Portuguese. Okay, he's he's from Japan. That's a tough, tough t- transition to make language-wise. And um, he probably should have let that ball go. I think Kukubu was in position to come out and get it before uh, Doltor could have got on the end of it. But instead, he, he overextends himself trying to save it, and he ends up putting it in his own goal because Kokubo had also left the goal. Had Kokubu stayed home, okay, had there been, had, had Joku said, you know, Joku's ball, and uh, Leo Kokubu stays in goal, that redirection goes right to where he's standing, and he kicks it away. So that has nothing to do with the curse. That is, that is just, uh, overthinking things and then making poor decisions. The first goal, nothing to do with the curse. It has everything to do with abysmal marking. From a team that I don't think that I don't think trains enough defensively. I think so much of their training and their development is focused on attack. It shows because they make defensive errors all the time. And when these players graduate through to the first team, they are defensive liabilities. With the exception of Ruben Dias, every other defensive player that has gone through the academy and gone into the first team is the defensive liability. This is something that needs to be addressed, not blamed on a curse. From the Real Madrid point of view, again, like I said, watching this game a second time, blown away by the maturity in terms of their tactical positioning, in terms of their mental game and their ability to think the game and to think quickly and their ability to switch positionings and to to fill in behind each other and to get in in support and get back defensively and cut passing lanes this is a very very advanced um this is a very very advanced preparation if you will or it's it's just an advanced level of thinking for a team this young okay I think they did have an advantage that the majority of this team plays at the U19 level and is not dispersed among different teams the way Befica is for different reasons, okay? And it was it was a news article today that I read on. It was just in my Google uh, homepage that said that Real Madrid have promoted 10 of these players to the Castilla team. Castilla is their B team, okay? Benfica's players, half of them are already there. The others are on what's effectively the C team, the U23s, with a few others playing, you know, week in, week out in the U19s, the younger players. So I think part of the problem for Benfica is the way that they break these players up and then try to bring them in as if they're a national team to play in the Euro in the UEFA Youth League. Um, I think that co- that's a thing that comes into play here at this point when you're at this stage, the late stages of this tournament against very good teams. But Real Madrid, for for what they can do, they have molded players that I believe are more ready to go to play at the senior level. No, they're not more ready to go play for Real Madrid at the senior level. Not at all. Okay, I think they got one, maybe two. I one, maybe two, that have a chance to someday play for Real Madrid. I don't know. Perhaps Arribas or Martin can mold themselves into it. I think Blanco, the holding midfielder, just like most of the press in Madrid believe, I think he looks like he has the characteristics to maybe make that jump at some point. But um, they're players I can see playing at other clubs, playing at, uh, you know, playing at Sevilla, 
playing at Real Betis, playing at Vaja Cano, playing at Villarreal, you know, clubs like that. Yes, Celta de Vigo, but um, Befica, on the other hand, have uh, more growth to do, not in the actual playing of the game, but in the, the thinking of the game and in the positioning. Befica's players far more superior in skill. There's no question. But now they have to add the rest of the game in order to be successful professionals. That's just my analysis over these three matches and what I saw. All right. That's going to wrap it up for this very special edition. Unless you're listening on the Mr. Benfica feed. If you are, there is an exclusive, exclusive segment coming for you next where I react to a certain unnamed rival team and their little antics following this final and how they like to put get themselves uh, interjected in the narrative. And I'm not talking about their fans. I'm talking about their board, which is just absolutely, absolutely disgraceful. I'm going to sound off a little bit on that for you in the next segment if you're listening on Mr. Befica, if you're listening on the PTB Media Network on the parking, the bus feed I am going to be signing off. I am the Mr. Mike Agustinu. All right. And you will you can catch me later this week with a review of the UEFA Women's Champions League final and the Hyundai A-League final still coming to you this week on the Park in the Bus PTB Media Network. But for everybody on Mr. Befica, I will be right back with an exclusive segment just for you. 